Hello, welcome to the Tool Crib. My name is Jason Openall. I'm the Director of Teaching and Learning, and I am here with Chad Flynn. Chad, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. My name is Chad Flynn, and I'm the Dean of Trades and Technology here at Medicine Hat College. Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Tool Crib is? Well, this whole idea of the Tool Crib, Jason, came from an idea that was born from a friend of mine. Her name is Sally Binden, and she, she is a learning um, technology trainer for uh, trades education over at Vancouver Island University. And she was noticing that it was hard to have professional development sessions with the trades instructors because their stuff and their courses are all over the map and don't line up with this the usual semester system that colleges do. So she started getting them together and and having this, what she called the digital tool shed. And so what I thought we could do is kind of, she does it as a live session. I thought we could do it as a podcast where we could actually share it record it and then share it out with our faculty. So it's just an area where we can get together and you and I can have some discussion about what's being done in trades and technology education, especially in this post, well, hopefully soon to be post COVID world or as we're in the COVID world right now. Uh, there's a lot of challenges, uh, but there's also a lot of creativity and innovation that's going on. So it's just a place for us to have discussions and share and hopefully some other people can get some value out of what we're talking about. Thanks a lot, Chad. Yeah, and this episode is going to take a very kind of past, present, future approach. We're going to we're going to go back in time, and then we'll talk about what's going on right now. And then I'll ask you to to give some thoughts about the future. The theme for this episode is the trades and and kind of its incompatibility, or previously perceived incompatibility with online education. So, first episode was about assessment because that's such a pressing need for us. But now I want to kind of go back in time. Like, uh, not that I want to live the whole entire <laughs> Please, <no. laughs> COVID period over again, but let's go back to March 2020. You know, let's go March 1st, 2020. We're there. What, what, Chad, do you think the average trades instructor would have said if, if you would have, if you would have told them that they'd be teaching online, they'd be teaching primarily online mm. over the course of the next 13 months? I don't know if I can use that kind of language on this podcast. <laughs> I having been like at that time, Jason, I was a trades instructor and I was at BCIT and I can tell you exactly what they would say that they said it couldn't be done. And they said that this is ridiculous, that we need to shut the program down, that there's no way that we could bring trades instruction online because a lot of it is hands-on training. A lot of it is they would look at this, the students as students that need to learn with their hands very they have to touch things. And basically a lot of the schools and TVET schools, some of them did shut down. Some of them said, nope, just get it done. And so we did that at BCIT and other schools across Canada and, and the world, TVET institutions, they were able to get it done. So it would be, it was one of those things that, and I had lots of conversations about this pre-COVID. I, a lot of us saw that online education was going in the direction that it was going at. And a lot of people say that COVID, what it did was hit the fast forward button. And I totally agree with that. There was a few people out there that realized that we don't, the, the day of the lecture, whether it ever worked properly or not, maybe that's dead. And so we need to start thinking about micro lectures and, and just in time learning for our students. So when we had to suddenly shift to online, there were some innovators out there who knew that and had started preparing years before to get their stuff ready to go online. Now it does present challenges, which we'll talk about probably in a little bit when we get further in down there. But for the most part, I would say it was a hard no for most instructors. Here we are 13, 14 months later and look how far it has come. Like we've got, we did it. Like trades education 
went through this year and was able to be done online. Now it's been more of a hybrid version to, to be fair, but there's been so many learnings and there's so much has been done and so many innovations to try to keep people online as opposed to in person. So, yeah. Well, that's what we're going to, that's what I want to talk about right now. You know, some of those innovations, some of the things that you've seen. So March 1st, 2020, we would have said, you know, Hey, you're going to be teaching online or do you want to go online? What do you think about trades instruction online? Largely there would have been no way yeah. in, in probably, you know, far more uh, colorful language <laughs> than, than that. Yeah. And a lot of that is because, but but then the pandemic hit, and what you said, it hit the fast forward button. And I think that I think that that's what the pandemic has done. Uh, it, it's ex, it's accelerated some of the changes that were already taking place, mm -hmm. and it's magnified, it's intensified some of the changes that were already taking place over the past year. I've been interviewing directors of teaching and learning centers from across Canada, and many of them are like, "Yep, we decided to put this trades program online," and a lot of that was already because of some of the innovations that had already been taking place, already because of some of their enrollments. So what the pandemic did is it intensified and magnified some of the changes and decisions that they were already taking place. But trades is hard to put online. And you mentioned that it's a hybrid model. And trades is hard to put online because it's very hand skills oriented. Yeah. I remember I remember one of the trades instructors once said when I first came to Medicine at College seven years ago, they're like, I work with my hands. You make your living from the neck up. That was, <laughs> <laughs> the first time, it's the first time I'd ever heard that phrase. Like I make oh. my, my living from the neck up. But it's hands oriented with, a, with an emphasis on craftsmanship. You know, it's a real focus on material and yeah. matter, you know, cutting hair steam boilers, carpentry, working with cement and wood and, and steel. And how in the world do you teach trades oriented programs online? So how did instructors do it? What kinds of creative approaches did you see? You said you saw some, they've 13 years. So if you look over the past 13 months, not 13 years, you look over the past 13 months, how did they do it? What did, what did they do innovations, you know, beyond the, the short lectures that you mentioned? Well, I mean, to be fair, it has felt like 13 years. So that, <laughs> 13 months. Um, well, a lot of like, so I don't even know where to begin. So some of the things that they noticed were right off the hop, a lot of them threw up webcams and started lecturing in front of those webcams. Very quickly, it was almost a student revolt. Uh, you it doesn't translate. You cannot do a six hour lecture online. So that's where I, I mentioned before, we'd have more of these micro lectures. What I think was really good was I, I like your idea of the whole the neck up because yes, a lot of trades instructors really did think they were teaching with their hands all the time, but there was a lot of neck up stuff that they were doing as well that they didn't even realize they were doing. So what this has done is forced them to go back and look at the outcomes. Like what are we really wanting our students to experience and what do they really need to understand? And a lot like for carpentry or for electrical, there's so much math and so much like awareness of that sort of thing going on. So once you started realizing, okay, there's all this math that goes in with the angles and, and with the sine waves and all this, what do I need to, our students to understand? Then from there, we can build little micro lectures. So we can create YouTube videos using whiteboards or even document cameras. Some of, the, some of them were using, some were taking their iPhones and just recording themselves writing on a piece of paper, but they got the point done and they're creating these little short lectures that the students could go back to and then back to and then back to. Because one of the things that students always struggled with was lectures could be great but then the lecture is over and that lecture is off into the ether and so now with these little micro lectures the students can go back and they can go over the concept again and again and again so the lecture side that was pretty well taken care of i think hopefully we've seen the end of people putting their webcam in front and speaking for six hours some of the other things that you see were a lot of the interactive software that's out there and 
labs were a big one. Like I'm an electrician. So a lot of our stuff was being taught in labs. So we would go to have these benches where we'd have to connect wires up. We'd turn voltage up. We'd see resistances and current and all that. And we started thinking, okay, how can we do that? And then you start looking around, you start seeing all these innovative things out there like FET, which is P-H-E-T. Um, I think it's through MIT, but it's open source software that is interactive. So they have these like circuit trainers. So you can go in and you can build DC circuits. You can build AC circuits. You can watch sine waves. So all the labs that we had to do physically in a classroom, the instructors, we could just go back and we could revamp it and rewrite them so that they would fit within this FET context. And then we could have our students go in there and fool around on their own time with the software. Uh, some of my, like the HET instructors use something called iSpring. So they, they were creating their own um, interactive presentations through that. And again, putting them online so the students could go back through it and watch it and interact with it. A friend of mine, Sally Vinden, who I talked about before a few years ago, she developed a program on a grant to deliver hairstyling completely online. And so she developed this online hairstyle course that would track with the Red Seal program. It, there was a strong hands-on component in that as well. And so she figured out a way that the students would have mannequins. They would cu cut the hair while videotaping themselves and then send it off to the instructor for assessment. So these are the sort of innovations that we could see that some of the people that were dealing with. But at the end of the day, sometimes, Jason, there were times where like you can't you can't replace working on an engine with just watching a video on YouTube. And you can't you can't do like you can do all this interactive stuff, but it's just not the same. So that's why at the beginning of this, I talked about this hybrid model. We really had to go hybrid. And that's where I, I think, and we'll get to this later on too, I think trades education is going because there are some elements that we do need to get their hands on. Students do need to learn how to swing those hammers to turn those screwdrivers, but they don't need to be in the class at all times to do that. Yeah, and here's a question that I've been wondering about as, as you've been talking, you know, when we look at the, the the trades instructors and you're the dean of trades and technology and and trades and technology is a really good phrase because you take a look you go into those you go into those environments they're really technology rich environments these guys are very sophisticated i mean for a long time automotive service technician and heavy equipment technician you know the diagnostics that they're running wow. these are incredibly technologically technologically sophisticated you know they they so these guys are masters of tools they're yeah. masters of technology so what what do you think it was about the shift to digital online, digital teaching that was so intimidating for so many of them? Because again, they're masters of tools. Like they've used tools that they they're, they really do know how to use technology. But then all of a sudden when presented with this, this digital technology for teaching, it, it became very intimidating. What, what do you think? What do you think is behind that? I think it was right back to that last, that statement you made about how they said like you, you work from the head up, right? And they, vocational education has got this stigma that it's, you know, it's the secondary prize. If you don't, you know, it's a consolation prize. If you don't, or if you're not an academic person, then don't worry, we've got trades education. You can go into that because you're good with working with your hands. But then, like you said, all these people, all these trades people, they do work with technology all the time. Like, like you mentioned with HET, HET heavy equipment and AST, it is completely technologically based electricians. They are working on programmable logic controllers. Like they're programming you've got Infotech, we've got CAD beat, like all these people are like hands-on technology. And for some reason, there's this disconnect. And hopefully we're starting to see that shift where they're realizing that they, they do teach from the head up as well. Like they, they're the whole package. It's holistic. It's not just, 
you know, there's the academics over here and there's the tradespeople over here and maybe academics can help us learn how to teach online. They've shown that they do know how to. And so some of them were intimidated by the digital, digital aspect of it, but so were a lot of academics. Um, but they, they pushed through and tradespeople, one thing that they're good at is troubleshooting. And we, we joke about it all the time. It's just sometimes when the job needs to be done is put your head down and just get to work. And so that's what they, they did this past year. I think trades education, TVET or whatever you want to call it. They just, they saw the challenge in front of them and they had to learn through that. Now, some people still struggle with it. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can start shifting the mindset that it's not, they don't need to be scared of the technology because they are surrounded by technology every day in their own, in their own environment. And so once they, they kind of make that shift and make that click, which we're already seeing, I'm seeing it within our own school, that you start to see more and more changes and more and more innovations. Yeah, so it's really being integrated into you know daily life, like not yeah. separate, not, not something that's seen as, yeah. as completely separate. Yeah. And I think that's, that would be, I think that's a huge issue within the school, right? Especially at a, a college like we work at Jason, where you've, you've got like, there's the academic side and you've got the trade side. And then we do like, we have this head up mentality and this head down mentality where we just need to all learn that we are all educators. We're not just, there's not like the, and that's the thing I'm working with, with my department is realizing that, you know, we're all educators. I've got a friend who teaches in Ontario and he, he said that for him, the big shift was, He's no longer a trainer. He doesn't think of himself as a trainer. And we always think of trades training, but what we need to do is think of trades education. And that little twist can make all the difference. Yeah, it can make all the difference. Uh, you know, again, just talking to these directors of teaching and learning centers from across Canada, they often say like, you know, we trades instructors, reaching trades instructors is a, is a special challenge because they don't always see themselves as instructors. They don't always see themselves as educators. They see themselves as a, as a carpenter. And so this dual professional yeah. role really stands in the way. So there's a couple emerging stories, uh, a couple emerging narratives about online education. Uh, the first is that it's been horrible. Mm -hmm. The first is that it's been horrible. And it's largely been horrible because people are missing that interaction. And I think that this has a, a real impact on in trades education. Because when I, you know, you know this better than I do, but when I talk to the trades instructor, they say, you know, half of it is learning the content, yeah. but then half of it is learning how to be a good person on the job site. So in this environment where interactivity with their students has been diminished, how have they kept up that really important, that really important apprenticeship role with the master craftsman who's, mm -hmm. who's not just teaching them how to use those hand skills, but really teaching them the, the art of the, the art of the craft? How have, they, how have they been able to keep up with that, that mentorship component? To be honest, some have not done that. And some have just like, they've just delivered content. Right. It's like the Palo Friere thing where you're just like it's that banking model. Like I've got the information. I'm going to give it to my students and away we go. There are some, though, that really engage with the technology and try to form like a community with their students. And what I'm finding is as I'm talking to more and more uh, TVET instructors across Canada well, and across North America is the ones that are actually reaching out and within the chats, like when we talk about like Zoom chats or I mean, there's other ways to do it, but that chat feature in Zoom and chat feature in Teams, our students are so used to using that because a lot of our students, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of them are gamers. And a lot of them are belong to this platform called Discord, which is they, they're constantly in contact with each other by, by a chat, like they're typing out their messages to each other. So what I'm finding is, and this would be actually an interesting study, is the ones who actually embrace the chat and really work that chat hard with their students they're finding that they're actually engaging in a way that they've never engaged with their students before. 
students who are way too afraid to pipe up at all in classrooms are feeling safer online in the chat than they would raising their hand in class. Granted, it takes some work. And so it takes a, maybe a week or two to kind of let the walls go down a bit. But then I've experienced it even in some of the classes I've taught where it's just once you get that chat going and they start realizing that, hey, this is a viable form of communication and I can ask questions and it's a safe place, that they start chatting with me and then they start chatting to each other. I was teaching a class last night and same thing, like I, I set out a question and another person would answer it in the chat and then so-and-so would ask this person, well, what made you think that? And then I had to just sit back for a second while they were all chatting away. And again, not a mic was turned on, not a camera was turned on but they're having this engaging conversation. And then they were sending each other their email addresses. And I was like, this is amazing. So you can do it. It's just, it takes some intentionality. It's easier when you're in class because oftentimes we can, we can get up and perform in front of our students and create that space. And they're there, they're physically there. So you have to be intentional to try to create that community, but it's possible. Yeah, I think that chat, you know, that chat box that you're talking about is such a fascinating thing. Like I, I, I haven't come across any research on the, the use of the chat box in online spaces, but I would suspect that as distracting as it can be from the instructor, like it shows that students are engaged with one yeah. another, that they're listening, that they're playing off certain comments and that they're involved with one another. And so it's a way to, to certainly help create more interactive environments you know so much much richer environments really cool yeah uh, so one of the stories it's been terrible right yeah. and yeah. uh you know lack of interactivity we were just talking about a way to to create more interactive spaces but a, an, another emerging story is that it hasn't been that bad mm -hmm. right so i mean uh that, that some of the studies coming out are showing that you know students maybe there's an even larger market for this you know, that two, uh, I think Alex Usher from Higher Education Strategy Associates said something like 200,000 to 400,000 more Canadian students might be more apt to take online education as part of their education, maybe not wholly part of their, you know, maybe not, they're not fully online, but maybe taking it as part of their online, because it hasn't been that bad. Mm -hmm. So, so let's look into the future a little bit. You know, I mean, trades instructors, again, back March 1st, 2020, they were said it can't be done. Now they've done it through micro lectures and yeah. using, leveraging some of the tools like the chat to overcome some of the deficits in interactivity. And they've done some things to, to really rethink these things. Going forward, what do you think the, the future of trades a trades education will look like, you know, previous to this time, there weren't a lot of people in Canada talking about teaching and trades. Mm -hmm. There were even fewer people talking about teaching trades online. Mm -hmm. Colin Latcham's book uh, that he edited back in 2017 on using internet based communications technology in blended formats and trades is one of the only books that I that I know of. But do you think what do you think the what do you think the new normal will be like? Do you think it will be blended from here on out? Uh, what, what do you expect the future to look like? I expect that when when the vaccine rolls out, when we are able to just go back fully face to face, there will be some schools that just go back to exactly the way it was before. And will all the learnings that they had from this possibly will just be like, okay, well, that was a hiccup. Now we can go back to the way things were. That being said, I honestly believe, Jason, that the future of trades education is going to be a hybrid model. It has to be. We have situations and opportunities now that we've now proven that this can work in some context. So examples would be, there's sometimes when we're teaching, like I remember teaching tools to my foundation class. Well, this is stuff that they could just read on their own, that there's not a lot of questions about things, but they, 
they could go through a module. And so what we can do now is create some sort of interactive presentation that they can go through on their own time and not, I don't have to stand in front of a classroom. We can now focus more of that time on actually parts and things and theories that our students struggle with. Maybe it allows us as instructors to have more time to develop more interactive elements instead of having to be in front of the classroom. Because the, the ongoing problem with trades education is release time to do anything. Oftentimes they are in front of a class for six hours a day. And so they, they don't get all that, that release time to actually develop curriculum. So maybe they can do that. Maybe they can devote more time to, to shop. Um, there's a lot that can be done. Non-traditional learners. And that's, I mean, that's a big one for all of education. We're seeing that with blended, we can do that now, right? When we have, and maybe we'll talk about this in another episode, but high flex learning. Um, we've got bichronists, we've got asynchronous, we've got all these chronuses out there. But we can do that now with trades education. And as an example, in our department, our electricians are going to pilot a, it's typically for electrical, it's eight weeks. They're going to pilot a fully asynchronous online 16 week program that will be available to students who are in second year who want to continue working and who want to continue doing it from home. Now there'll be some blocks where they're going to have to come in for labs, but for the most part, the entire thing will be online. We'll have an instructor there from 7.30 till four o'clock ready in office hours. He's kind of waiting in the wings to answer any questions, but all the content is going to be there. So we're starting to see things like this happen. And so these different models and different ways that can help students out, it's a big deal. Some students don't pursue trades because they can't afford to take the, the cut and pay to go back to a first year rate and then work their way up and then and do like have an unemployment paying for it. They've got families they've got to feed. Well, this offers opportunities for those non-traditional learners to go. So I honestly think we're, we're going to see a shift. We're going to see blended go the, the, the route. Um, there's that Tony Bates article, I think you and I have talked about before, where he's got a graph where he shows online learning, which is a steady climb the whole way. And then he talks about hybrid learning. And if he, on his graph, you'll see it, it's at the steady climb with online learning. But then once the pandemic hit, it takes that hockey stick moment where it just sh starts shooting up. And I think we're seeing that with trades education as well. Yeah, I think we have to start thinking and blend it. And the question is, what are we going to blend? Mm -hmm. How are we going to blend it? Because a couple of things, you know, a couple of things that you mentioned that I think are really important. The first is that online education is superior for some students. Yeah. Because they don't have to sacrifice something. They mm -hmm. don't like they don't want to move. They, they, maybe they live in, you know, one of our remote communities. They don't want to move to Medicine Hat for six weeks. You know, the, the commute would be hard. Yeah. They don't want to give up their job right? They don't want to give up their family. They have to manage multiple life engagements and online education gives them a way to, to have another multiple life engagement where they don't have to sacrifice anything else. So it's not necessarily about, not the, not the quality of the pedagogy, but it's the, what it enables them to do in their daily life. But mm -hmm. what, what we've seen about online education and some of the things that you're talking about is that Online education has had a more negative impact on the what some people are calling what well, you mentioned non-traditional students, but other people are calling them the new majority students. Right, students with lower levels of academic preparation. You know, students mm -hmm. of color. Um, so mature students. So mature students. You know, the, this new majority of students, and blended works out for them in a in a really interesting way because they don't have to do it all online, and they can be connected to people and, and perhaps manage those life engagements as well. Oh, for sure. And one thing that I find interesting too is 
and let's be honest, some people learn well online. Like if I had this opportunity when I was going to school, I would have been all over it. Like I, I can do that. I can follow these things. But then I've got a friend, my best friend. There's no way. Like he talks about how if online was the, the way for him to go, he couldn't learn that way. So, but there are ways we can look at this and address both and, right? We've got the high flex model where you can have that face-to-face element, but you can also, if you are that non-traditional track where you can't be traveling or you can't do that, well, then you can you can beam in synchronously or you can watch the videos later. So there are ways around that. I think we can't be afraid of the technology. Um, at the same time, we can't fall so in love with the technology that we forget about the pedagogy behind it all. So that's another big warning that I would I'd state that we need to make sure that when we design these things, we design them with intention and not just with the latest toy and technology because it will either be upgraded or it'll go out of style. And then you're left trying to figure out the next route. Yeah, educational developers tend to see things as equivalencies. You know, if there's a way to do something face to face, there's a way to do it online. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's active learning strategies that we want to focus on the classroom, let's focus on interactivity in the online environment. But often, and we've seen this, is that technology tends to displace teaching. Yeah. And so as so when we think about that, um, you know, I've read a lot about augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, I'm not an expert, you know, I've just read it. I haven't seen a lot of, haven't seen a lot of applications, but it seems like it might have really beneficial impact when we're thinking about blended trades instruction or online trades instruction. So, so do you have examples of, of how this can have a positive impact on trades education? Are there any experiments that you're working yeah. with with augmented reality or virtual reality? Well, so we're right on the beginning, like the precipice of this whole thing, like virtual reality. Yes, it's been around a while and we're starting to see it come up more in gaming as gaming always seems to lead the way in all of these things, Uh, even in like exercise apps and all that. We're starting to see some sort of version of augmented reality. Virtual reality, I think, is we are going that direction. As far as what I've seen for trades training, it's not there yet. There's not there's people that are working on it but I haven't myself seen much go on with it. Now, the applications I could see where if you had a bunch of students wearing Oculuses, you could take them through a plant and you could show them things or you could do those sort of things. Augmented reality has really got me excited though because augmented reality, yes, you can use things like the, the Google glasses or you can have that VR headset and see through it. And then you're, you're surrounded by your environment, your actual in-time environment, but then something comes up in front of you. Much like... I mean, I always use this example of the Avengers, right? Like Tony Stark, that's augmented reality, right? He's got the glass that you can see all Jarvis and all that. We are seeing that with our phones, like Pokemon Go was the biggest thing in the world a few years ago. A great example of augmented reality where you could be out in the world and then you can suddenly see like a Pikachu show up, right? But then we can also do that with trades education. So one of, an instructor that I was a part of a community of practice with last year, what he's done is in his labs, he would always have the problems where like students would always ask the same questions over and over and over and over again. So what he did was he created barcodes and he created little short videos. And so, and this is like, this is as basic augmented reality as you can get. So the students would go to these benches and they would scan the the barcode, which would automatically take them to the video and show them like a quick two minute. Okay. This is how you turn it on. This is how blah, blah, blah. So it, it opened that up. There's other instructors now, and he's actually working on a project too, I believe where they can go to they can go around to like pumps and now when they take their phone and they they scan that QR code it's got the the camera pops up and you can see the actual item on the camera but it also gives like the spec sheet on the phone so 
these are the exciting times as far as that's concerned. And it doesn't have to, when we talk about augmented reality, people get so scared by that big, it's such a intimidating term, right? And when you think virtual reality, we always think it's like, well, that's, there's no way we can do that in trades, but yes, you can, we can start simple. And that's, that's one thing I, I love the, the analogy, like dipping your toe in, you don't have to jump in cannonball style into all these technologies. Dip your toe in by playing around with QR codes and having them linked to videos. That's augmented reality. You're bringing up something that is not within the, this, what's happening right in front of you. And you're using a tool that our students have. So these are the things that I think we're going to see more and more happen because they're easy technologies to integrate. And then people start to innovate upon that integration. Yeah, thank you. You know, um, one of the areas, again, I'm not a trades person. I'm not a trades instructor, but we did work with some trades instructors a couple of years back because they were really struggling to teach their students how to read blueprints, mm. all of the different blueprints. And so it seemed to me like augmented reality blueprints and then going into the, you know, going into the plant or going out to the shed, whatever, that there's an opportunity to help people see in 3D, yeah. this, you know, the kinds of things, because to read a blueprint correctly, you've got to have the language. You, you've got to you've got to be able to see the isometric view in your head. It just seems like a like a real a real area of potential. Yeah. Did anything come of that project? You know, still... not as much. We did some three D we did some three D modeling of some blueprints that they were using, but I think it's an awesome. Uh, yeah, it's something we gotta something we gotta pick up. Perhaps yeah, it's for sure area for exploration. Chad, it's now eleven thirty nine, which I think takes us right to our ideal listening time frame of right around right around twenty eight minutes. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No, it's just, I would just if whoever's listening, like please, you've done an amazing job to this point. Let's not let's keep this momentum going and let's reach out to a site, reach out to me. Like I, as you know, the trades instructors listening, I get really excited talking about this. I know Jason does as well. So we want to continue on with these conversations. We want to see what is being done and what, what you're innovating with. And I've had conversations with a lot of you, but I would love to share more and more. And I think that's one thing we'd like to do with this podcast is Jason, we'll have other instructors on and maybe have them showcase what they've been doing. Cause I've, and I, I just sent out, so I send out a weekly newsletter to my faculty, uh, just kind of like sharing some stuff and teaching and learning that I've come across. And today's topic was there's something in the water at MHC, because in my experience, and I've taught at a couple of institutes now is I, there's something about medicine hat college that these instructors, and I know from the trade side and then from what I'm hearing on the other sides as well, the innovation, the creativity, the constant care for students. It's so unusual. Like our, our instructors in our college is second to none when it comes to that. So I'd love to just keep sharing their stories. Yeah. I love it here. So yeah. Any faculty listening, send us your topics, mm -hmm. send us your questions. But best of all, if you're daring enough, send us a send us a request that says, hey, I'd love to be I'd love yes. to. Here's something that I'm doing. Here's an innovation that I'm doing that I want to talk about. So let's uh, let's plan an episode. Awesome. These are going to be available on the Medicine Hat College Teaching and Learning website. And pretty soon we'll be able to share that link at the bottom. So thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Always everybody. A pleasure. Yep. Oh, agreed.